July 7th, Acts chapter 25, verses 1 through 27. Three days after Festus arrived in Caesarea to take over his new responsibilities, he left for Jerusalem, where the leading priests and other Jewish leaders met with him and made their accusations against Paul. They asked Festus as a favor to transfer Paul to Jerusalem. Their plan was to waylay and kill him. But Festus replied that Paul was at Caesarea, and he himself would be returning there soon. So he said, Those of you in authority can return with me. If Paul has done anything wrong, you can make your accusations. Eight or ten days later, he returned to Caesarea, and on the following day, Paul's trial began. On Paul's arrival in court, the Jewish leaders from Jerusalem gathered around and made many serious accusations they couldn't prove. Paul denied the charges. I am not guilty, he said. I have committed no crime against the Jewish laws or the temple or the Roman government. Then Festus, wanting to please the Jews, asked him, Are you willing to go to Jerusalem and stand trial before me there? But Paul replied, No, this is the official Roman court, so I ought to be tried right here. You know very well I am not guilty. If I have done something worthy of death, I don't refuse to die, but if I am innocent, neither you nor anyone else has a right to turn me over to these men to kill me. I appeal to Caesar. Festus conferred with his advisors and then replied, Very well, you have appealed to Caesar, and to Caesar you shall go. A few days later, King Agrippa arrived with his sister Bernice to pay their respects to Festus. During their stay of several days, Festus discussed Paul's case with the king. There is a prisoner here, he told him, whose case was left for me by Felix. When I was in Jerusalem, the leading priests and other Jewish leaders pressed charges against him and asked me to sentence him. Of course, I quickly pointed out to them that Roman law does not convict people without a trial. They are given an opportunity to defend themselves face to face with their accusers. When they came here for the trial, I called the case the very next day and ordered Paul brought in. But the accusations made against him weren't at all what I expected. It was something about their religion and about someone called Jesus who died, but whom Paul insists is alive. I was perplexed as to how to conduct an investigation of this kind, and I asked him whether he would be willing to stand trial on these charges in Jerusalem. But Paul appealed to the emperor, so I ordered him back to jail until I could arrange to send him to Caesar. I'd like to hear the man myself, Agrippa said, and Festus replied, You shall, tomorrow. So the next day, Agrippa and Bernice arrived at the auditorium with great pomp, accompanied by military officers and prominent men of the city. Festus ordered that Paul be brought in. Then Festus said, King Agrippa and all present, this is the man whose death is demanded by both the local Jews and by those in Jerusalem. But in my opinion, he has done nothing worthy of death. However, he appealed his case to the emperor, and I decided to send him. But what shall I write the emperor? For there is no real charge against him. So I have brought him before all of you, and especially you, King Agrippa, so that after we examine him, I might have something to write. 
for it doesn't seem reasonable to send a prisoner to the emperor without specifying the charges against him. Away with your dreams and visions. Away with your new revelations. We have the all-sufficient written Word of God. All things necessary for salvation and sanctification for the glory of God is found in our Bible. This is a very important point. Do not be bringing your thus says the Lord into this house if it's not found in chapter and verse. Everything that you need to know to be saved is clearly stated in the Bible. Everything you need to know to follow the will of God is clearly stated in this book. Everything that you need to know to live in such a way to bring honor and glory to God is spelled out with crystal clear clarity in this book. Listen, this book is not hard to understand, it's just hard to swallow. What part of by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, how does that get over your head? Why, even a child can come to faith in Jesus Christ. If there is any veil, it is not over the Scripture. The veil is over the darkened minds of men. The high ground is sola scriptura. Every denomination that goes astray goes astray at this point. Every seminary that goes astray goes astray at this point. Every church that goes astray goes astray at this point. Every denomination, every seminary, and every church that is strong in the grace of God is strong in being anchored upon sola scriptura. It is non-negotiable. We're not just dogmatic about this, we're bulldogmatic about this. The Word of God is not up for debate. Whenever God opens the windows of heaven to bless His people, the devil opens the gates of hell to blast. And whenever God is doing His greatest work, you can be sure that the devil is right there to bring in his counterfeit religion. I'm telling you, you take one step off of sola scriptura. You take one step off of sola scriptura and you have put your foot on a theological banana peel. You are on a slippery slope. It is inevitable. You are headed down, down, down until you crash at the bottom. If you are seeking any of these charismatic new revelations it is because you have no understanding of the perfection of the written word of God away with your dreams and visions away with your new revelations we have the all-sufficient written word of God